In Your Money Today, Carolyn Wright investigates how people perceive their personal level of wealth. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. St. James's Place is a FTSE 100 listed wealth manager with almost £150 billion in assets under management and it recently released the first part in its research series called Accelerating the Wealth Journey from Stability to Abundance. I'm joined now by Oliver Wickham who is Asia Partnership Director and CEO of Hong Kong to discuss just how many affluent people actually feel they are wealthy enough and if you can ever have too much cash. Thank you for joining me Oliver. Thank you for having me, Carolyn, and thank you for the opportunity. Let's kick off with a bit about perception of wealth and how that differs. First of all, if I can give you a bit of an overview of the research and, and why SJP is so committed to understanding if wealth can, can make people happy, it's the sort of age-old question, isn't it? Does money actually make you happy? I think most of us would agree that it doesn't, but it can certainly help. But it's not really about the money in our mind. It's actually about what that money can do for you. And that's about helping people with their personal financial goals and objectives. What does people's retirement look like in the future? Where do they want to be? Who do they want to be spending their time with? Do they have children and what kind of education do they want to give those children? What does their dream home look like? And how can we help all of these things come together? We fundamentally believe that there's an advice gap in the market and our aim and aspiration is to fill some of that gap. To help that, we do this research every year. It's our flagship research that we call the Money Relationship Monitor. This is its fourth year. And this year, as you said, the focus was on accelerating the wealth journey from stability to abundance. There's lots of data and, and stats that we get, but I guess just one or two of the interesting findings. One of them was the average time that it takes for a Hong Konger to go from stability to abundance is just over 40 years. Can you define what stability and abundance are? Absolutely. The, the definition used for stability is when somebody's stable enough, they've got the security that after their expenses each month, they've still got some income left over that they can save a little bit as well. So expenses covered, they can afford to save a little bit and put some money to one side. Abundance is at the other end of the spectrum when you've, you're abundant with money. You, you've got enough money that actually you're probably now thinking about how do you pass that to the next generation because you've got more than you're ever going to need to live on. So the average time from stability to abundance was just over 40 years. That's quite a long period of time. Now, now this sort of definition of abundance, does that vary wildly, even in terms of the fact of just having no sort of worries necessarily financially? 100% because it's all relative, isn't it? To what somebody's current lifestyle is and also what they want their future lifestyle to be. And you've got people, individuals that will be happy. You know, we, we interviewed people that could be earning 500,000 Hong Kong dollars a year and be very, very comfortable with that. And we could interview people that are earning 2 million Hong Kong dollars a year and actually might feel they need more in the future. It's all down to people's personal perspectives, how they spend their money, is it going on, on luxury goods, is it feeding their family? And we're all different, and this is about putting bespoke planning in place. Let's talk about some of the things that people are, are willing to do. What are the top drivers for Hong Kongers when it comes to building that wealth? So 70% of respondents said that financial security and protection for themselves and their family was the biggest driver for them. Just making sure that they're secure and if anything happens, any unforeseen circumstances, be it illness or anything else that could impact their income, that they're protected. 67% said it was having a good lifestyle and then just 39% said it was about intergenerational wealth, passing it on to the next generation. 
But again, there's so much of it that is down to perception and it's relative because that 67% that said it's about a good lifestyle for one person will be very different to the next. Now, I remember a few years ago, there was a, a quite famous news story about how people in certain places, if they gave up having their avocado on toast, they would be able to afford a house. Now, so, you know, that was seen as a, a, the ultimate somehow sacrifice to, to getting the kind of money that people needed for their future. But what are the sort of sacrifices that people are willing to make now in terms of spending in, in order to help them achieve these goals? We were really interested in this question, actually. We did ask people about sacrifices because, actually, if you could have everything today and everything tomorrow, then that would be great. But the reality for most people, there's a certain amount of wealth and you need to work out what to do with it. Sometimes that does mean taking a little bit less today so that you can have more in the future and, and making sure that you plan accordingly. The survey showed that 50% of people were prepared to sacrifice luxury items, which obviously says that 50% were not. Yep. Yeah, the, the other piece is that 39% said that they'd actually reconsider their work-life balance, basically meaning that they would work overtime, they'd work a little bit harder and actually have a little bit less family time or personal time. No right or wrong with these things, but it, again, it's interesting that 39% said that they were prepared to look at work-life balance, suggesting that 61% were not. And then 38% said they'd consider spending less on hobbies. But it was pretty strong, as I said, that 50% there, whilst 50% would be prepared to spend less on luxuries. For some people, we're in Hong Kong, that's a non-negotiable. Interestingly, one of the things you mentioned is whether people want to have a financial uh, legacy to pass on to the next generation. And I've always thought that Hong Kong is a place where family and those kind of responsibilities are very important to people. But what did you find here? How important is that? And what are people doing in order to make that happen as smoothly as possible? In terms of, I guess, financially abundant, I, the first thing to point out, I think, when I mentioned that it's a 40-year journey on average to go from stability to abundance, we need to recognise that some people will never get there. That abundance piece, it is based on their perception. Have they got enough that they can start giving it away? And the majority of people will actually never feel like they've got enough. Having said that, 28% of people that we interviewed that felt they're in that category did feel that it was time for them to start passing to the next generation. And that intergenerational wealth piece was really important. Actually, in a recent article that I read, between 2022 and 2030, they said that three and a half trillion US dollars will be passed from one generation to the next across Asia. Wow. And Asia's become a real capital for wealth of the power sort of shifting from west to east. So it is a really important area. There are lots of people that are in a position to pass wealth on, but it doesn't mean that's the majority. If you are lucky enough to be one of those people who find themselves in the position of abundance and maybe you don't have a family, where do people choose to put their cash if they are that flush? More often than not, people think about the next generation. If they haven't got a family, they're probably still thinking about who their nearest and dearest are. Philanthropy is becoming more and more popular and people are looking at actually what charities can they support and how can they make a difference and a lasting impact to the world, which is really important. And, you know, the more billionaires that come out and, and pledge that they're going to give X percentage of their wealth away, and we've seen a number do that in recent years, I think it puts a greater focus on that and people start to think more about how they can use their wealth for the greater good. Getting back to that initial statistic you came up with, the just over 40 years going from stability to abundance, for a lot of people, that's pretty much the majority of their working life. I know people here in Hong Kong tend to live quite long lives, but are more people working longer in order to help them pursue these goals? 
I think the biggest problem that we've got is the advice gap. There's a huge advice gap in the market. People aren't taking enough advice. A couple of other interesting stats that came through is only 44% of Hong Kongers said that they're actually happy with their wealth. Again, suggesting that almost 60% are not happy with their level of wealth. 75% of them believe that if they were more financially literate, that they would be wealthier. So Hong, Hong Kong as a region is very, it likes to invest. People like to invest. And there's lots of stocks and shares being bought. But they also acknowledge that there's a gap in terms of financial planning knowledge which perhaps suggests that because they're not as financially literate as they could be, they're making some decisions that actually, if they're a bit better informed, maybe they wouldn't. So it's really important actually for people just to take a step back and get the right plans in place. And if you've got a plan, it's likely that you won't need to be extending your retirement date out because you'll have planned it in advance, but people aren't taking that advice. So how should people be filling that knowledge gap? I believe everybody needs to take financial advice. There's lots of financial planners in Hong Kong that can advise people. The really important part, the the top tip is that it is about planning. It's not about investing or taking products because there's lots of advisors and lots of banks in Hong Kong that are very transactional. I did it last week. I walked into the bank and actually speaking to somebody over the counter, you're trying to get sold a product um, and it's straight into a fund or something else. Without understanding anything about my situation, they just want to give you a product. Whereas actually people need to sit down and actually get a grasp on where am I today? What are my assets, liabilities, income expenditure, family values? And then more importantly, where am I trying to get to? What are my future goals and aspirations in the next one year, three years, five years, 25 years? And actually, how can I put a roadmap in place to help me get there? Everybody needs a strategy which can be implemented and then really importantly reviewed on a regular basis because things change. Everybody needs a plan, but everybody needs to review that to keep on track. Top tips on strategy and planning for the future. That's Oliver Wickham, who's Asia Partnership Director and CEO of Hong Kong at St. James's Place.